podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and I am pleased to announce that he has a blue check. He is the biggest J we consistently get on the show. I think Shahan J. Raja is the only other blue check uh, journalist we've ever gotten on because I, uh, Gene Taylor may have gotten his blue check. I don't know. I, I would have to go through all of the stuff to figure out how many blue checks we've actually gotten. He is the most hated man by one random dude named Kevin after seeing his A people. He's a bozo, but that random dude named Kevin was not making a good argument for it. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering K-State just about as long as anyone. It is Kellis Robinette. Kellis, how are you doing? How's the gig? Casey Star, Wichita Eagle. How's it treating you? I'm doing good. Job is uh, as exciting and as fun as ever. I was out at Kansas State football practice today. So, yeah, no complaints this time of year other than that I'm just uh, waiting for the season to get going. So what do you – what's, like, the toughest thing, like, coming up with content, like, in the, like, doldrums of the summer – or covering a team that kind of struggles and just kind of sucks. So basically a regular summer or the last few K-State basketball seasons. Um, probably the basketball, just because uh, when you got a team that's stuck in a losing streak, it's just really hard to generate a whole bunch of interest. Um, though the one thing you could always count on the last few years with basketball, at least was people wondering uh, well, what the future held for Bruce Weber and, you know, potentially who could replace him. Um, there's really not that quandary on the uh, on the football beat. There's nothing, you know, <laughs> there's no like perpetual question that everybody has. Um, and, you know, this time of year, there's always at least some kind of excitement. Um, I do wish we could, uh, you know, like anybody else, I wish we could get out and watch more practices and stuff like you see in the NFL um, and, and learn, learn more than we already do. But they accommodate us pretty well over there. Shout out Ryan Lackey, Kenny Lanou, all those guys. Um, so it, it, you know, it, it's easier right now to, to write about football because, hey, everybody's undefeated. There's no bad angles to take at the moment. That's award-winning uh, Kenny Lanou and Ryan Lackey, actually. They, they've they uh, won, I think, maybe not won awards, but they've been listed as, uh, you know, top 10 SID offices for football every year in the Chris Kleiman era. I'm just going to leave that statement like that. And I'm also going to promise to you to try to not call it fall camp. And uh, if I say it, say preseason camp throughout this entire thing, because oh, I know that's one you. of your biggest, biggest pet peeves. Bless you for that. Fall doesn't start until deep in September. True. But like, come on. It, it, like that's also like <laughs> saying winter doesn't start until three days before Christmas. I mean, well, I think, but- I think just get rid of the, the seasons as is basically have fall be from September through no- November uh, winter be December through February, spring be March through May, and then summer June through August. There, I'll give you that. I was just actually saying this yesterday. Um, when the seasons start and ends uh, on the calendar, compared to where most people actually, you know, 
call what's going on outside are two totally different things. Yeah, so, not even. Close. I get it. And, and hey, hey, spring training in baseball doesn't happen in the spring either. Um, <laughs> That's true. We, we, yeah, we just opening, all need to say. Yeah, I don't know. We need day, some new some new rules. Opening day might like still be in winter. I, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I think it is. Oh man, gotta love baseball. All right. Um, before we get into it, of course, this entire week and spoiler alert, quite a few weeks after this is sponsored by Charlie Hustle. But guess what? They are starting the college roadshow, and the first stop is in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. That's right, K-State fans and boneheads. Charlie Hustle will will be bringing on the cats all week long with their massive campus capsule launching at the end of the week, Friday the 19th. K-Staters, make sure you're following along the roadshow through all their social channels and shop the drop at charliehustle.com. I've personally seen the collection. You're going to eat them all up. So let's show Charlie Hustle what that purple pride is all about. Also, if you're following Bosco's boys and following Charlie Hustle on Twitter, both of us, you might just have a chance to win some free shirts at the end of the week. All right, let's get into it. No more dancing around. I could ask you about the U.S. World Cup kits, but maybe I'll bring you on in November before the World Cup starts to talk about that. But the biggest question, maybe, I mean, gosh, I I can't remember the last time there's been like a bigger storyline about a singular player. It's Adrian Martinez becoming a Wildcat. What have you heard all preseason camp and you, you've gotten to see him toss around the ball a little bit. What are you hearing and what are you seeing about QB one? I mean, people's hopes are high right now. Um, his arm is fully healed from where it was in Nebraska when he had to have shoulder surgery and miss a lot of spring practice. Um, he's throwing a good ball. It's not the deepest or strongest I've ever seen, but it's pretty accurate. Um, it's he's on the money a lot of the times and he's a, a really fast, uh, fast runner too. So not only is he capable of, of uh, beating teams with his arms, he's capable of moving around. Um, if, if, if other teams do get some pressure on him, he can extend plays, he can run uh, on keepers. And I think that's, what's got everybody um, most excited right now is just because uh, you put him next to Deuce Vaughn, uh, him going one way, Deuce going the other causes a whole lot of misdirection and opportunities for, uh, for fun. Um, I, I will say there's a little bit of, uh, you know, mystery out there just because from what we've seen, it's all him throwing against nobody. There's no defense out there to come and intercept the ball, no defensive ends hounding him to try to get him to fumble. And that's uh, always kind of been his knock, right? Is that uh, at Nebraska, he put up some amazing numbers over four years. I mean, almost 10,000 passing yards, well over 2,000 rushing yards, I think. You can go pull up highlights from all four seasons and say, boy, this guy can really play. But at the same time, he also had 30 interceptions, some game-losing fumbles in Nebraska. And uh, to kind of put that in perspective, think about this. In Nebraska, he had uh, 30 interceptions. Colin Klein, when he was the quarterback at Kansas State, had 15. Skyler Thompson, when he was the quarterback at Kansas State for the 25 years he was behind center, only 16 interceptions. So he's he's throwing interceptions at basically double the rate the Kansas State fans are accustomed to. The real question with him isn't can he make plays? Can he put up enough points for Kansas State to win? It's can he do that and dial it back a little bit and play the system that Kansas State fans have known to come and love, right? Where maybe one turnover a game, um, no more than that, taking care of the ball, being safe. Can he merge those two philosophies and, and be the best Adrian Martinez he can be? 
I don't know what the answer is to that yet, but I can tell you people are very optimistic. And, um, you, you know, even though he's a little bit different quarterback than Skylar Thompson, I, I don't think there's going to be a downgrade there. There might even be a slight upgrade. One of the reasons I think there is some optimism there is if you're a pro football focus person, uh, they graded out Nebraska as the worst offensive line back-to-back years. Uh, Kansas native Turner Corcoran got a zero rating for his pass blocking as his left tackle. Yeah, I know. So uh, if you have hopes, it it hinges on the offensive line. That kind of leads me to my next question. Can you explain why Coach Kleiman and Coach Riley would be considering a move for their first team all Big 12 left tackle and sliding him down to guard? Um, we can touch on KT and line gang here in a second if we, you want to, but that has been something that I've tried to talk myself into. At times I've been able to do it, but I got to be honest with you, right here on August 15th, it still kind of has me scratch, scratching my head a little bit. No, I hear you. Um, I mean, definitely the expression, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, applies here. Um, Cooper BB has been very good the last couple of seasons playing as a guard and We've seen in the past when Kansas State has played guys out of position at that, that spot um, at left tackle. They've gone on to um, be pretty good. Cody Whitehair, uh, didn't he start off at guard and had a lot of success at tackle? Felton yeah, Reisner started off at center. All over. Like, I think, yeah. I think Cody Whitehair played at least – or he started the game at K-State at all five spots because he I think he played a bowl game at center as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he played all over, but he, he made, you know, he made his money at tackle before he moved back to guard in the NFL. Dalton Reisner started off at center, ended up being a really good right tackle. So it is interesting that, you know, it, there's some examples in the past that would say, Hey, even though maybe Cooper BB has the body of a guard at six foot four and 322 pounds, let's just keep him at left tackle. But I, I think what Connor Riley, uh, the offensive line coach is thinking here is that, um, he can just help help the most at, at left guard or right guard. Um, they've got other guys coming up that they like at tackle, line gang, Leviston. Um, I'm spacing on his name now, but um, Duffy, Christian Duffy, he's been their right tackle. Um, they've just got guys that they 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 think or they could put in a left tackle, and um, you know not see the kind of drop off they would have if they uh, moved him in at guard. So that that's all I'm thinking is just that. It gives them their best five out there, the combination of the best five. Uh, but I definitely see where you're coming from. If you got a guy who's played at this high of a level um, at that spot, why not keep him there? And that's something I'm going to be looking, you know, there's not a whole lot of juicy storylines on the offensive line every season, but that's something I'm actually going to be looking at pretty good because if whoever they put at left tackle isn't uh, playing at a, at, a, at a high level, you certainly got to wonder uh, maybe what would happen if uh, Cooper Beebe was still there. Because if you look at the NFL – the quarterback, you know, most times is the most expensive player on your offense. Number two, at almost every single playoff team last year, was the left tackle, either the most expensive or the second most expensive player on almost every single playoff team. I think the Chiefs actually were in the minority for that one. So it, it is interesting uh, seeing the left tackle, the second most important position on offense, moving arguably your number one or number two most talented guy away from it. So I, I've, I think folks are hearing it in my tone and my questioning. I, I'm, I've, I've gone full circle. I'm back landed at uh, I don't like it, um, but hey, who knows? Because again, you know, they're all saying stuff. Maybe we're just going to see game one, 
Cooper Beebe's there and KT Lev is at left guard and all this is for nothing. Yeah, they could just be messing with us um, playing uh, playing chess while we're playing checkers. Um, it, it's an interesting thing. The, the only other thing that kind of pops in my mind is maybe that they do have such a mobile quarterback now. Um, maybe they want to focus a little bit more and put one of their better linemen in the interior, help them uh, open up some gaps in there on some design runs instead of pass pro. But I don't know. I, I see it both ways. I'm not sure what I think about it just yet. Yeah, I I talked myself into it, and now I'm like, I don't really know. And truth be told, I was on board with it when I thought it was going to be line gang because I, I think he's going to be an All-American one day. Maybe this is my preconceived notions about KT Lev when they were talking about him possibly playing tackle versus guard, I think that's probably when I started turning. Uh, but Connor Riley knows more about offensive line play than me. So I'm going to move <laughs> on uh, to this one. So gun to your head, what do you think the three starting safeties are going to be? Because you have to replace all of those. Because uh, when I look at it outside of, you know, pickle versus Matlack, which I think is going to be more situational ba- based, uh, really the def- starting defense is set outside of those three safeties. Yeah, the only other real um, thing I would be looking at is how do they use the, uh, you know, the, the hybrid spot on the edge of the line, uh, whether they go an extra safety, an extra linebacker, extra defensive end, is Khalid Duke totally healthy? Um, you know, I think that'll decide a lot of it. But, yeah, uh, the biggest question mark for sure, I think, on the whole team is uh, who's going to play safety. They lose all three guys from last season, and not only did they lose all three guys, they were three really good players in Russ Yeast, Jerome McPherson, and Reggie Stubblefield. Um, and the funny thing is, you met, I mentioned Stubblefield there. Remember this time last year, we were all concerned about him, thinking he might be some kind of bust, and he turned not, out to be pretty not, good. Not me and not my listeners. We were on the Sauce Boss train. First off, the sauce boss originated by one of my listeners in one of our live shows. And we were all in on stubby from day one. So you can think that not me, okay. not my show, not my boneheads. I just remember uh, I spent quite a few time on, times on my, uh, my own weekly Q and a asking with people asking why, you know, why weren't his stats, what he said they were and blah, blah, blah. But Hey, he turned in the sauce boss and the people's champ real fast. So congrats to him. Um, this year's versions of the, of the sauce boss, I, I think I'm going with Kobe Savage. I think he's probably um, the biggest lock there. Everybody just seems to talk most about him. Sincere Mason, he's been in the system. He's back healthy now. I like him there. And then Josh Hayes, those are the three guys I'd say with, with TJ Smith rotating in where he can. Definitely. And then uh, I think, you know, the sauce boss's former uh, teammate, uh, Drake Cheatham, also a safety, but he also played some corner during his time at Prairie View A&M as well. So you might see him floating around the secondary as well. It would be fun if, if he turned out to be like, you know, a borderline all big 12 player and a little pipeline, you know, Hey, the, the best secondary player from Prairie View A&M comes to K-State every year. I mean, that would be kind of fun. A pipeline to another college an FCS team. Yeah. Um, different times, but yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. If they could just get that going. Well, I mean, you know, that's, it's not that different because you didn't have to sit out ever from FCS to FBS, right? When you changed a level? Only if you were going down. Oh, so you okay. So in I the FBS up, and you were going to FCS, then yes, it oh, was. Never uh, mind. Come on in and play. Um, I don't think it was the same FB, right. FCS going up. But I had that wrong. My apologies. All right, let's move into the predictions, though. And remember, Boneheads, this week, and hey, spoiler alert, quite a few weeks after this, are sponsored by our friends at Charlie Hustle. I've seen this collection. I know K-State fans are eating up 
some vintage look t-shirts. This is a local Kansas City company. And every single style they've shown me has been an actual 10 out of 10. So I'm excited for everyone to see them on Friday when the campus capsule law or drops on Friday the 19th. All right, let's get to it. No restrictions for the first time ever in this format. There are no restrictions on any of these questions. Who is going to be the offensive MVP? Uh, Deuce Vaughn. I, I think that's uh, a lock. He's too good. He's too good. I think Colin's going to get in the ball a whole lot. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Do you still have a Heisman vote? I do. Okay. First off, I really want one. Let's make it happen. Second off, how close was he to maybe getting your third place Heisman vote last year? Um, you know, I don't think I really considered him last year. Maybe he like if I had like a top fifteen, he would have been on uh, there. You're gonna get bullied. I don't remember what who I vote. I don't. I last year. Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, but I tell you what, he's on. He's on my radar this year. Okay, what sort of stat, like, if he goes for, like, 1,500, uh, you know, which was around what he had, let's and five, a bunch of touchdowns, and K-State's in Arlington. Do you think that might be the type of stat line? Or do you need to see a little bit more stat line for him to possibly get on the ballot? Um, I mean, for me, yeah, that'd probably be enough. Um, I would definitely, if, if he, if he, with all the attention he's going to get this season, if he still comes out and is a consensus All-American again, um, then yeah, um, I would definitely consider him there. Um, the tricky thing, which I don't think uh, is necessarily fair um, in all this, but uh, the, the thing that's going to make or break him as a Heisman candidate, candidate is what does Kansas State do as a team? Um, no, it, he would have to put up extraordinary numbers if, um, if, if they're not in the national championship mix. Well, I mean, and that, that, that to me, that, that's one thing I don't like about, you know, a lot of a lot of awards voting. Your team has to be the best in the country for you to be eligible. It's just, just kind of silly. If you're the best player, you should be eligible in my mind. Well, get me a Heisman vote and I'll make that happen. If Poppy, if Dan Lebetard's dad can have one and he makes open jokes on their podcast about it, I think I, a uh, awesome college football podcaster, should get one. So let's make it happen, Callis. All right. How much, uh, would, how much would I have to pay you for yours? For mine, well, uh, I am actually in control of who votes in this state now. I was promoted last year. I'm the Heisman okay. uh, ringleader okay. in the state. Okay, um, I live in so Kansas. Start, start sending some bribes my way, and maybe I can get with a vote. Okay, well, so for the record, I wouldn't actually bribe you, and I would take it super seriously because <laughs> I didn't know you were in charge of this. But I live in the state now, and I would take it super seriously. So we'll talk offline and see if we can make this happen the next time a Kansas vote pops up. Because right. that I mean, would be the best it, thing. Ever. As long as long as the Heisman Trust would identify um, Bosco's boy, Bosco's boys as a, a legit journalism outlet, I could probably do it. I've been credentialed at Big Twelve Media Days, and Ryan <laughs> Lackey sends me the press releases. I don't know how how much more official it gets. I've I've seen less qualified voters on that list. I'll see what I can do. Okay, let, let, let's make it happen. Hashtag Bosco's boys for Heisman voter. All right. Uh, Let's go, or actually, here's the follow-up to it, because we've had Adrian Martinez mentioned a couple times as an MVP. I think it's obvious it's Deuce and then him running first and second. Who could be the third horseman with those two? You know, I really like Phillip Brooks. Um, I'm willing to jump on his bus and drive his preseason hype train. I think he's gonna, going to uh, make a run at 1,000 yards this season. 
if not yardage, I think he's going to have a whole lot of catches, have more catches than we've seen from any Kansas State receiver in a while. Um, and Colin Klein's offense, they're going to spread it out. I think he's going to be on the field a whole lot doing uh, crossing routes underneath stuff. I think he's going to get the ball a whole lot. And if there's anybody else, like a wild card outside of those big two, that's who I would say. I will miss him wearing 88 going down to just eight this year. I'm old school. I like wide receivers and tight ends wearing numbers in the 80s. I think Cade Warner's the only uh, guy. 85. See. Yeah, I think of the wide receivers, he's the only one in the 80s who will see a bunch of time unless we see some Ty Bowman this year. Yeah, um, Ty Bowman, I was going to say number 80. Yeah. And, uh, and Kendrick Jones. Kendrick Jones as well. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep 82. an eye out on those guys. Oh, actually, man, we're, we're really overlooking. Erwin Ir- Nash, Eric Pizarro. So the walk-ons. 88 and 89. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, if those guys are catching passes, it's going to be a, a very good year. Yeah, Kansas. well, and you know what? I, this is my uh, shout out to Andre Davis here in the Kansas City area. Wear a number in the 80s. I know all the cool kids are going single digits or teens. Andre Davis, right there, a 5.73 star in Kansas City. Rock a number in the 80s, please. I beg you. All right, let's go to defense. Who's going to be the defensive MVP? Ooh, man, that is a great question. You could go a lot of different ways on that one. Um, uh, Man, I think I'll go Daniel Green uh, in a tight one over Felix. Um, I I, I think Felix is just in a spot where if another team really wants to, they could double team him, even triple team if need be, get him out of the picture and his stats would fall a little bit. And hey, maybe maybe that would even make him more of a case for MVP. I don't know, but I, there's really no way you're gonna look at Daniel Green and say hey, we're gonna get the middle linebacker out of this game. He's not gonna make any tackles. I think he's gonna lead the team in tackles. He's gonna have a great year. Um, so I, I'll say him. But it's it's tough. You could go Felix. You could go Huggins. You could even go Matlack if you wanted. Um, there's there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. All right. <laughs> who who would be the dark horse for that honor? Because I think you named the top um, two. No one's gone outside of those top two, but who would be the dark horse? Well, I mean, may, I, maybe Matt Lack, you know, be, he could be like, remember when you had uh, uh, Wyatt Hubert and Jordan Willis playing on the same line there for a while and everybody's focused on Jordan. And then here comes Wyatt making all these tackles. Um, I, I think, I think you could see something like that where he comes in and has a huge, uh, huge impact while people are looking elsewhere. Was it Reggie Walker and Jordan Willis? I don't know. If Jordan you're Willis right. I skipped, that. you're right. I skipped the, I skipped the generation there. It was, uh, it was, uh, sorry, say his name again. It was Reggie Walker, but Jordan Reggie Willis. Walker. Yeah. Reggie Walker. And then it was Wyatt Hubert playing opposite Reggie Walker. Yep. yep, yep I thought yep. he was good. Okay. I mean, my apologies. R- roundabout. You were right. Roundabout. You're right. <laughs> um, I was right R- by. R- I was right by Reggie Walker's family uh, at that Vandy game, the infamous Vandy game. And, Uh, man. Well, Reggie Walker had a great year as a freshman playing alongside Jordan. And Wyatt had a great freshman year playing alongside Reggie. So, um, my points, even though I can't remember names, I think still stay at Matt Lack. And Matt Lack's really good. He's farther developed than those guys were playing alongside Felix. So, um, he could really have a big year. Definitely. Honestly, he should have had two more sacks. He was robbed of a couple uh, sacks in that Texas Tech game. Um, Let's get into, I think, most people's favorite questions. Mine's number five, but who's going to be the breakout player on offense this year? Doesn't have to be a young guy like in years past because the transfer portal's ruined 
all of college sports, uh, according to some folks, not me. I don't really care. Uh, but it's tough to really single out a young guy because a lot of them up and leave. So who do you have as your breakout player on offense? Uh, how about Sammy Wheeler? Um, in the, the limited time we've gotten to watch practice this season, I've, made, I've seen him make a lot of good catches with both hands. Um, it's, it, it's been uh, fun to watch. I think he's going to be a, a really good player. And, um, you know, tight end has always been utilized by Chris Kleiman. And I think they're going to try to utilize it even more now that Colin Klein's in there. And the last few seasons, they've loved the third of tight ends, whether it was Daniel Ibatorbebe or um, Bradley Moore before that. Um, if you've got a guy with speed and hands, they're going to get him the ball. And I know it's been hard for Sammy to, to stay healthy and everything, but knock on wood, I think it happens for him this season. He catches a few more passes and he can kind of be an X factor. on And what a great kind of like senior night story you could write the last Bill Snyder quarterback still on the roster turns <laughs> into, right. you know, an all big 12 that's contender right. at tight end. So I, I mean, I think that would, I think that would be a great one. You can send me a nickel and or a Heisman vote for giving you that idea. <laughs> uh, let's get to the next one. Who's going to be the breakout player on defense. Ooh, um, this would probably be somebody probably be one of those safeties we were talking about earlier. Um I'll say Kobe Savage. I've heard, I've, I've heard too many good things about him. Um, the Juco guy coming in at safety. I, I think he, he makes a lot of tackles, grabs an interception or two, and we'll go with him. All right, let's go to next, the pendulum game of the season. This is my favorite one. I know everyone else eats up, you know, who's going to break through. I love hearing everyone's take on what the pendulum game of the year will be. Okay, well, let me pull out the old schedule here. Um this is a good question. I would say, I mean, you could make a case for, uh, you could make a case as early as for Missouri. Um, so you don't win that game all of a sudden, you know, you're, I think it's kind of hard to envision them making a run at 10 wins or anything like that. But I would say maybe Oklahoma State at home um, in the middle of the season and with some tougher games coming up, I think that's a game that if you, you beat, beat them, the Cowboys who are going to be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this season, or at least supposed to be, that's a game that could give you momentum going in the next week against Texas, who Kansas State hasn't beaten in forever. Um, and then that would give them some confidence going to Baylor after that. So, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma State, that's, uh, that's a game that typically Kansas State has uh, struggled, struggled. That's a team that Kansas State has struggled against under Chris Kleiman. He's not beat Mike Gundy yet. Um, and I think if they could get over that hump, that would uh, mean a lot of good things for this team. All right. I think we typically get you on Blitz Month before you do your official prediction in the blogosphere and at the KC Star and Wichita Eagle. But I'm going to ask you to go on the record for the Boneheads. What's K-State's record this year? Uh, right now, I'm going eight and four. All right. We'll move on. <laughs> I don't like that one. I think I think you're the first one to go less than nine and three, which is fine. Oh, really? Journalist. Well, I mean, I, Vegas only has their over under at six and a half. You hate K State. Um, you you know, no, no matter what <laughs> Kevin tried to tell you on Twitter, you, you didn't throw us a bone and make us the top twenty five pick. Um, I I mean, I could see nine. I could see ten. Um, but there's just enough questions out there that I, I'm still. I'm still sticking with a little bit more realistic. Well, and, yeah. and, and Hey, and end of the year, if I'm wrong, if they're, if they're 12 and 0, you can come and club me over the head with your Heisman vote. 
I'm not going to club you over the head. I mean, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be too busy, you know, popping bottles and, you know, you know, outside of doing my homework for the Heisman vote, I'll be popping bottles you know, on my way to Arlington, looking at, you know, wh- which college football playoff game we're going to get if we're 12 and 0. I'll basically be consumed by celebrating and studying and being the best Heisman voter there is. Um, who do you have playing in the big 12 championship game? Um, Iowa State and Kansas. Oh, God, Kellis. Come on, man. I know it's a joke, but come on. Come on. For saying that, you have to give me a Heisman vote now. Come on, man. Well, if I skewed if I skewed your uh, results with the eight and four, I figured I'd really skew them uh, with, <laughs> with that are you, one. Are you, uh, are you going to go through with the, the voting KU number one in the Big 12 media poll next year? Um, I've seen like seven different folks who were at media day make that joke. And I'm convinced they're going to end up with like at least five first place votes next year. That would be amazing if we could actually all come together and do that. Totally uh, screw up the system. Um, it'd be even funnier if like Lance Leipold had something in his contract that said he were uh, to get a bonus if they were the preseason number one team in the media poll. Uh, enough um, people don't actually vote on that, that go that I think that if we wanted to, I think we could probably make that happen. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You we'll could talk, definitely. We'll talk next summer and like, okay. maybe we'll just all go in on it. Well, that'd be a good way to make the news. Um, <laughs> to just do a complete reversal of what you actually think. Um, and if you do that, the Heisman funny. trust won't take my vote away because you know, you also <laughs> did it. So um, I'll give you a real answer. Uh, I like uh, Baylor and Oklahoma. I think that's what it'll be. Well, there you go. All right. And then last year, we kind of closed it off talking about the future of the Big 12. Uh, we're going to do that this time as well. How many members are in the Big 12 in 2024, which is the last contractual year that OU and Texas are supposed to be here? And that will be the first year of whatever the next Pac-12 contract would be, just in case you want to you know, bring home Colorado or anything. So how many teams are playing in the Big 12 in 2024? Oh, I, I think it'll be 14. I think Texas and Oklahoma will still be around um, as much as they want to leave. I, I think the the grant of rights has just become such a such a headache. Nobody wants to deal with it. So I think they'll stick it out till the bitter end and then move to the SEC in 2025. Um, and I don't think the Big 12 will have expanded before then. Um, and I don't know, as much as I like to say Colorado and Arizona or somebody will be in the Big 12, um, I don't know. It, it just kind of seems like uh, momentum is kind of stalled against that. So I'm, I'm going to go with the boring answer. Nothing changes. 14 in 2024, 12, uh, the original 12, the good old 12 in 2025. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. And then also I'll be looking forward to reading you in the Kansas City Star all year long with the KC Sports Pass. I have it and I don't share the login with anyone else. So folks should 100% get that so they can read Kellis or if you're down Wichita, uh, the Wichita version of that as well, because I don't think anyone gets a physical paper anymore. Uh, but Kellis, where can everyone find you on Twitter? Where should everyone tweet at you to tell them to give me a Heisman vote? And uh, any final words for the Boneheads? Yes, find me at, at Kellis Robinette. No E at the end of my last name. If you found the Bojack uh, avatar, you've come to the right place. With the blue um, check. Yes, with the blue check. Um, 
And uh, I think your uh, Heisman voting chances will correlate greatly with the quality of gifts that I uh, see in my mentions in the next uh, few days. Okay, so Boneheads, this is releasing on, uh, this is going to drop on Wednesday the 17th. So everyone send your best gifts to Kellis Robinette with hashtag Scott Wildcat for Heisman voter or something like that. That's a pretty long hashtag. Uh, But just send them the best gift possible. Let's get me a Heisman vote. Let's make it happen. Uh, Kellis, thanks as always. Again, read your stuff in the Kansas City Star Wichita Eagle. You're also on the Kansas City Star's KC Sports Podcast. Uh, seemingly close to once a week once football season uh, gets going. So folks should listen to you there. Thanks again. And again, I'm looking forward to it. And I'll thank you in advance for my Heisman vote. (laughs) Look forward to it. (laughs) It's time to get set for the cat attack. Network.